Hello, everyone. I'm Bill Raggio. I'm a senior fellow at Foundation for Defense of Democracies and editor of FDD's Long War Journal. This is Generation Jihad, the podcast that covers all things in what used to be known as the global war on terror, but we now call the Long War. And today, I'm happy to have my co-host, Joe Trusman, back on the show. Joe is a research analyst at FDD and one of our editors at FDD's Long War Journal. Joe is returning from a trip to Israel. That's why Joe hasn't been on for the last couple of weeks. Also, with the holidays and the other things going on, we're going to get back on track. Joe, welcome back to Generation Jihad. Great to hear your voice again. Hey, Bill. Yeah, really happy to be here. Uh, yeah. It's been a while, I feel like. So uh, it has. I think yeah, before Christmas. Yeah, for a while there, we were just uh, you know doing these uh, several times a week, and then all of a sudden just stop. But yeah, it's um, I've been out and uh, away, but uh, happy to be here again. We can. Yeah, we're happy to have you back on, Joe. You're just getting back from Israel, um, and uh, tell us, you know, a lot to talk about. That's what we're going to talk about today. What did you see? What did you hear? What what do you, what is your observations on your trip? I guess the first question I'd have for you, um, tell us, this is your first time going to a war zone. Um, tell us a little bit about your experience with that. What is that? What did you think about that whole process? I know we talked about that going forward and you never had experienced something like that. I have a little bit of experience doing that in Iraq and Afghanistan, and it certainly does change your perceptions of, of how things work. Um, yeah, just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so just like you were saying, um, it is my first time to an actual war zone. Uh, um, you know, previous years, uh, obviously, I've, I've followed uh, conflicts between uh, Israelis and the Palestinians for a very long time, but it's different when you're on the ground, right? So I got the opportunity to go this uh, uh, during this time, so I did, and um, yeah, I'll just just a few points. Um, so as an analyst, right. Um, you, it's your goal is to understand um, whether you know, like a conflict, for example, uh, to understand it as best as you can, right? So it's really easy to say to read the news and uh, and stay on top of the news, you know, as, as much as you can. But a lot of that is just someone else's perspective, technically, right? So when they're they're writing, you're you're reading what they think about what's going on, and yeah, they're facts too. So uh, that's that's in there. So that's that's another thing, but. Uh, it's a whole different experience when you're actually there. And that's why I wanted to go, all right? Because I wanted to see it. I wanted to smell it. I wanted to feel it. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, so that's what I did. And, and I went to, went to several places, but uh, one... Where'd you go, John? Where, where, where did you... Yeah, so I was uh, in the northern, uh, just at the border. At the, I never went actually inside of Gaza, but uh, I was at the, the northern border of, of uh, the Gaza Strip and, 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 and Israel. and also. Uh, in, the, in the south, not far from the Egyptian border, uh, but still, you know, Israeli territory and on the Gaza border. So I went to this one specifically. I went to this one community that was attacked on October seventh. The, the community is named is called the Nira Oz. Uh, it's, it's it's fairly small, and um, so yeah. So I, I went there to see what had happened, right? Uh, and I toured the community for a few hours, and went inside the homes and that were attacked and most of the homes were either burned almost completely right or destroyed by gunfire or by other means so uh we went in there i went inside to see and it, let me tell you something this is very important um 
these areas that I went to, these homes, they're, they're, they're like almost untouched since October 7th. There's still blood on the ground. There's still blood on the walls from the, uh, from the Israelis or other victims of, of Hamas's uh, attack. So they haven't, it's not like they cleaned it up. Um, there's glass everywhere. You can still smell, um, uh, there's a smell of, of, of burnt wood, right? Because uh, a lot of these homes were burned, right? Uh, with people still inside them, uh, of them. So um, that was an experience. And then, of course, during all this time while you know, I'm touring this, this one specific community, I'm hearing the sound of war, right? Like artillery going out, um, drones, gunfire, uh, what I'm assuming are helicopters, Apache helicopters, gunships, because you can hear them. They're, it's, uh, they're almost above you. You can see them too, actually, and uh, um, fighting, like the shooting. So you have all this going around, all this noise, right, of war and this constant buzzing of drones. It's like the lawnmower of the sky, basically. I don't know how else to No, to that's, that's pretty much uh, everybody's description of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, it's annoying after a while, and um, but it's distinct, right? So if, so anyway, so yeah, so it was, um, it was, it was, it was really, it was really interesting. Uh, Something else that something I got to experience as well, I think it's important, is when I was touring uh, Nida Oz in, in, you know, in, in one of the Israeli communities that was attacked, um, there was still the smell of death, all right? And that's something you, if you haven't experienced it before, uh, it's quite unique. Um, still, I still smell it to this day, to be quite honest with you, just randomly. Um, and it's just, it's very strange. Uh, it's horrible of course, but, um, what had happened was in this area of the, of the, uh, the community, from what I understand, from what I was told by the, uh, by the IDF, cause I was there with it. It's, it's like, by the way, this is all a closed military zone. People just can't just walk right. This in is there. why it's, everything is still as it exactly. is, right? No one's going in and cleaning exactly. up. We're still, it's still, like you said, a war zone base. It is. Yeah. Oh yeah. You can't just want to stroll up there. It's just stroll up in there. So this is a closed military zone, but since I was with the, uh, with the IDF, um, I was allowed to go in there. So, um, so we're in this, like, uh, it's like a community hall where usually they would serve the food and, uh, anyway, uh, but in there they had, from what the army told me, uh, Following the the attack, they stored bodies. Had to store bodies in there, and uh, so and on top of that, there was still food uh, uh, that was there, um, that you know, to feed the community, and it was it was all rotting. So you had the smell of rotting food and death. Of you know, there weren't bodies there anymore. Don't get me wrong, but it still lingered in there. It was really strong, and um, and that's just that mix. My gosh, um, it was tough. It was very difficult walking through there. Uh, so, but yeah, it's something, it's another experience that I had that I've never, you know, never gone through before. So, uh, so yeah. And then one last quick thing, um, also the danger of being shelled. All right. So in Israel, there is this, uh, there's this warning system. It's usually called Tziva uh, Dom, which is like a red alert. And it's, uh, it's like, it's an app basically. And it tells you, Hey, if you're wherever, Hey, there's an, there could be a possibility of rockets or mortars or even drones in your area. So I'm driving through, and this is kind of like the countryside almost, the best way I can describe it. I got this app with me, my phone on, because there's a real possibility of being, being shelled, right? And thankfully, nothing happened, but I would go through a community, 
And then five minutes later, the community was under attack, right? So, but it was, that's another feeling of being like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm, I could be hurt here, right? I got to be very careful. So something here in the, I think here living in, in the United States, in the West, we don't have to worry about being shelled or being mortared or being hit by a drone. None of that, right? But people in the South, especially in Southern Israel and in just in, in, in Israel in general, do have to worry about, okay? So that's something I've never really had to experience before. Always having my phone on me, right? Um, so so I, I would be alerted. And of course, there are different types of alerts there as well. Uh, but where I was, it was, it was I needed my phone. So uh, so I think that's uh, that's, that's, that's interesting. But yeah, I mean, but I just, the one thing, I'm, gl- I, I'm glad I went. I'm glad I was there. I'm glad I got to experience everything experience war, seeing all the military vehicles and, 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 uh, soldiers, but yeah, um, it's just, but a part of it's, it's, it's difficult to describe without actually being there, but you know about this bill, right? I mean, it's a surreal experience, Joe. It, it, it certainly is. And I mean, look, I, I know our people, the listeners, you know, who served in Iraq and Afghanistan or some other foreign militaries, um, and other places people have been to ukraine they're very familiar with with this experience and you know one point that you you make right that the you know you would if you were reading the news you would think that all of the fighting in gaza is one-sided that the israelis are just attacking and yet there's rockets every day being fired yeah. from gaza that yeah. hamas and palestinian islamic jihad and other groups despite the fact that they're on the defensive um against the israelis assault they're still able to muster the energy and the resources to fire rockets into israel so this is you know this is why the fight the fighting continues because they are not laying down their arms they are not ceasing attacks on israel Mm -hmm. they're doing everything they can but yeah joe your experience is it's um one many who are listening to are, are very um familiar with i remember my first embed in ramad when i was in ramadi in 2005 in anbar province sitting outside getting on the satellite phone back when you know that but at that point in time this tells you how old i am and how long i've been doing this um didn't just you know cell phone was a luxury and um you had to get a sim card it was just a, it was a nightmare so anyway i would bring a satellite phone i was just trying to link up with uh, john bachelor on his radio program and mortars started coming into the compound one hit about 150 yards from where i was sitting at a picnic table on this in these buildings in the, on, in the base in Ramadi and just hit outside the zone. And so, yeah, very familiar with, with all of those. It's very, you, you, you certainly take life here for granted when you, once you get into a war zone, like in, in Iraq or, or in Israel or in Afghanistan right. or any of these places in Ukraine, um, when you experience this, it's, it's something that will, will stick with you. And that, then that's that smell of death. Yeah. I, I recall that. I could still smell that. I remember, and the, you know, look, if I didn't have any dark humor, I wouldn't have any. Um, but like, you know, we, we joked in Fallujah that, you know, we should create a cologne called Eau de Fallujah. Oh, it no. would be, um, you know, dead bodies, diesel fuel and burning tires and, and cordite. Right. And that was basically, you know, that way we could remind us all of, of that beautiful experience of, of Fallujah and, and other fun places in Iraq. So but um, Joe, tell us you were up at the border in northern Gaza. Um, any interesting observations there? Did you get a chance uh, to talk to Israeli troops coming in and out of uh, combat? Um, I didn't get the chance to talk to them. Uh, however, I did see the effects of war. Obviously, we, I talked earlier about the the sounds and uh, saw a lot, a lot of military equipment. Uh, 
you don't realize how large some of these tanks are. <laughs> these tanks are. You see them in, uh, of course, on TV. But um, these uh, these these Merkava four tanks that the IDF uses, uh, they're enormous. I saw there's a IDF D9 bulldozer as well. It's uh, routinely used not only in the in Gaza now, but in the West Bank and enormous bulldozers. Uh, but um, and then yeah, then I got to see uh, you know saw, saw a few airstrikes. Uh, uh, one that was directed by a drone. Um, so that, that was pretty, that was pretty interesting to, to see in person. Uh, and then, you know, the one thing I did notice, which I, you know, it's good for the, the, the Israelis, of course, is that everybody's, uh, they were very determined, not only just the soldiers, but the citizens too, right? They were determined to, uh, defeat Hamas and, uh, and its partners in Gaza. Um, that's 100% for sure. And another thing I found interesting is that life continued in Israel. Okay. Uh, there weren't as many, let's say tourists. Okay. Give them that. Uh, but people were still going out, right? People were still going to the cafes. They were shopping, things like that. It, you could still, it, it wasn't like it was pre October 7th. Don't get me wrong, but still, um, and and so so that was that was something good to see at least, but with the threat of war in the background as well. But I think a lot of people that I spoke to, they were concerned about Gaza, but I think they were more concerned about what's happening in the north, right, with Hezbollah, because now, you know, Hamas and, and its partners in Gaza, they've been. I mean, the Israeli military has really hammered them. Okay, so taking them away a lot of their capabilities, especially with rockets. Um, but, uh, that huge threat still remains in the North. So I think a lot of people were, that I, that I encountered and I spoke to, uh, were very concerned about that more than anything. I think right now was well, what could happen there. Right. Uh, so, so yeah. So again, a lot of interesting stuff I saw, spoke to a lot of people, but yeah, I think a, a big thing that still remains there is what's happening in the North. Yeah, and before before we turn to that, you anticipated my next question. What is the the resolve of the Israeli people? There's been a lot of international pressure, um, for, even for coming from the U.S., which is quite disturbing for the Israelis to wind down military operations in Gaza and go back to more of a targeting mode. The Israelis are saying that they, they're, and I don't know how much of this is just sort of to appease the West, because I'm not seeing this, at least from what I can tell from the reporting on the ground. They're still going in um, on the ground. It's, it just seems to me that they've gotten a big chunk of the operations taken care of and now they're they're focusing in more and more confined spaces but is have you detected any is there a significant anti-war movement within Israel or protests have you seen anything like that or is it as you said is just the resolve is to defeat Hamas right uh i'll i'll say this when i first got off the plane uh in tel aviv got off the plane start walking uh one of the first things i saw was uh, rows and rows of posters of the missing hostage of the hostages. Uh, that's like one of the first things you see there. Okay. So right away I knew that, um, what was the most important thing right here for, for one of the most important things for, for Israel is getting these hostages. So, um, and I know it's, you know, it's different seeing it in person too. Again, I go back to being there in person. Right. So, um, so it's I, that Joe, they, they, like, you know, it's what it, we as analysts here in the United States and look, there's a lot we can do from, you know, reading and talking to people and whatnot. 
but you do get a little detached from it and getting over there, you know, does give you a little perspective. And let's, let's not pretend that we don't have everyone, every reporter, anyone, analyst, everyone has biases. You have biases. I do. We admit what they are. And, but that doesn't mean that we can't be critical of what Israelis are doing or what the United States is doing. I mean, God knows if anyone watched my coverage of Afghanistan or Iraq or anything else, you know, it was all to improve, you know, the criticism comes from to try to make us improve, to do better. But um, yeah, yeah, that, that, that firsthand experience is it's something that just can't be discounted. And I'm really glad you got an opportunity to get it. Yeah. Um, something that I, I kind of did already mention, but from the Israeli officials I spoke to all the way down to just, you know, taxi drivers that I spoke to, um, they all, I didn't get a hint of uh, people being tired of the war. Okay. Not in one bit, which is good. Right. Uh, they, uh, they're very, I think it's more than anything. A lot of people were just pissed off. <laughs> they're still yeah, and it's, you know, three months later then. Yeah. And that's, that is actually kind of amazing. Right. Cause you would expect, right. you know, for sure for there to be not expect. I mean, actually I can't imagine I would be, I mean, I'm this is 21 years after 20, what are we? 23 years after nine 11. I'm still right. pissed off. So, right. um, you know, that's uh, that's a good thing, right? Yeah, you, yeah. You, you need to hold that anger sometimes in order to drive you to do the things you need to do because that was a horrific attack. And and, and I think people need to also understand that um, Israel, the Israelis, again, top to bottom from the defense officials or whatever political echelon down, um, they, uh, they're determined, okay? So even you get all this noise that we're hearing, you know, protests and this uh, stuff at the UN and uh, just, uh, you know, criticizing the war. I, it's gonna, I, I don't see the, from, from what I felt from people that I've talked to, I don't get the sense that Israel is going to back down on this. All right. I think people need to understand that what happened on October 7th, wasn't just something minor for Israel. Uh, I think they almost see it as a type of a existential threat, having these, groups hamas and ter other terror organization ter terror organizations on their borders okay so um they're determined to get rid of them despite everything else you know like i said all the noise going on so uh so yeah it's something i i, I something also that i that i noticed and, and firsthand and so i thought that was pretty interesting too so i don't think the israelis are going to budge on this to be quite honest with you. i'm like they may like with the fighting they may well, may not uh, be as intense but trying to convince Israel to stop, right? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think it's going to happen unless they're, they fulfill whatever goals they're trying to achieve, right? Especially getting all those hostages back. Uh, that's that's up there. Well, and then the defeat of Hamas. I mean, the, the government has been clear about that, that Hamas cannot return to, right. Right. to governing Gaza, and nor should they. I mean, this would be like saying yeah. after Pearl Harbor <laughs> that, you know, we should allow the Japanese to continue to, you know, occupy Parts of Indochina, I mean, and, and the, right. the Philippines and whatnot. Or, you know, we should allow the Nazis to, you know, con control parts of France and, and Europe. I mean, the, you know, one of the things I, you know, when I talk to people who are skeptical and, and you know, this is, I think, a result of watching the news and, and, and getting that one-sided appearance of that the Israelis are just attacking. There's no, you know, the perspective of what happened on October 7th is lost. And I, I say yeah. to people, I said, could you imagine if the Mexican drug cartels crossed the border and mm. killed 20,000 Americans, which would be the equivalent, right? Of 
1,200 Israelis being killed. Right. What would our response be? When would right. we stop? Would we right. be looking for a ceasefire and took, you know, thousands of Americans hostages? Would we just go, oh, well, we killed enough of them and we should stop? Mm-hmm. Or would we continue to prosecute this? It's it's up close and personal for the Israelis. And there's I, there's no government, a, a, a lot, you know, that would want to or no nation would be able to 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 exist by tolerating this, right. by tolerating, you know, look, I mean, <laughs> Based on what you're talking about, would the Israeli people allow the Israeli government to conduct a ceasefire with Hamas? Uh, I don't think so. Would the Israeli military <laughs> accept that? These are like harsh realities. I'm not sitting here saying, you know, people are plotting a coup or something like that. But there's internal pressures to keep up the operation against Hamas to recover those hostages. And the, I mean, that's the, you know, the hostages, one of the things that I thought might be the thing that could divide the Israelis. But that doesn't seem to be the Israeli government has, you know, and, and you know, the other thing too, Joe, we, you know, everyone says this is Netanyahu's war. I've heard people no. say to me, this was a black flag, <laughs> flag operation <laughs> by Netanyahu to stay in power. And I'm sitting here going, no, man, look, I, there's a no. unity government that has seen, we haven't seen any cracks in that, right? His opposition figures have, you know, walked in and taken key positions within the government. So. Um, it's really kind of annoying to to, to listen to some of that, but you know, you have to, people just don't they don't understand this conflict like you and I do. No, they don't. And I'll tell you something real quick. I think it's important to know. Um, so this is really official. I was speaking to. He said he he put it very well. Um, and at first I didn't understand him. So he said, you know, on October seventh, Israel shrunk, and I was like, Israel shrunk. What are you talking about? Israel's still there. It still has its borders. Nothing's changed really. Um, as far as borders, and it took me a while to understand what he meant by that. And uh, but he was right. So there, you know, Israelis in the north, they've a bunch of them had to be evacuated. Israelis in the well, south, over hundred thousand, right? Yeah, yeah a lot. Funny. And then in the south too, there's no Israeli citizens on the border there, living there anymore. It's just military. So he was right. There, Israel shrunk. Uh, the, the population had to move inward. They're they're living in hotels for the last few months, the uh, or apartments that they had to uh, get assistance to 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 get. And people have been taking in uh, Israelis uh, because they have nowhere to go. Right. So, and he was right. Israel did shrink uh, in a sense. Right. So anyway. you know, in another way too, Joe, I think the the divisions with the within Israel, you know, the political. Because one of the things I experienced in my particularly my last visit. It was in 2017. Boy, just the the difference in opinion amongst the Israelis about you know two state solution and how to deal with Hamas. Right. I think that I think those divisions have shrunk as well amongst the Israeli people because I'm I you know I thought there would be some cracks beginning to appear at this point with an ongoing war with the number of casualties the IDF has experienced um, with the amount of people being displaced, but the Israelis seem to be you know from their military to their government to the people the civilians are on a war footing and they they're serious uh, yeah, yeah, yeah that's where they need to be them. yeah yeah sorry to interrupt but yeah i think they're they, they're so unified uh with that um and i think there are disagreements of course you know course. And that's that's one thing uh so so yeah um they're they're all they all feel the same way uh about what's happening and uh but yeah again the priority is to get those those hostages back so uh, i i don't know uh but one thing again everywhere i went 
pictures, posters uh, on TV of, of the hostages uh, everywhere uh, is is pretty crazy, actually. So um, just uh, that reminder is always there, right? Why why all of this is happening? Why they're at war? So um, I think that's, that's that's a good point to to bring up. Yeah, that's that is certainly something that the the Israelis all agree on, upon. They you know they they care for their own, and it's shocking here in the United States. There's what eight American hostages still? Uh, is that the right? yeah something about that? I, I can't remember the exact number. Forgive me, but yeah, I think there still are. Yeah, and that's what pisses me off even more. They're Americans, and we hear nothing about it, and as uh, if we don't care. And it's it, like frustrating. Yeah, yeah. Um, and come on, there's 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 Americans there, guys. Like. So and then, the billions of dollars that we've invested in the Palestinian Authority and Hamas and the United Nations to fund tunnels and rockets and all of this stuff, and our government can't demand the release of our hostages. The U.S. president, President Biden, should have issued a immediate demand for the release of American citizens. Hamas wants to play its war with Israel. Like, fine. But this is separate. These are American citizens, and this is a national disgrace. And our press refuses to report on this. Um, you know, I have a feeling if there was another president in office right now, that this might be something that would be day ninety six. You know, eight Americans held hostage. Right. But we don't hear hear a damn thing about it. And yeah. um, the Israelis care about their citizens, and it appears we don't. And that's uh, that's disgraceful. Yeah, it's uh, that's something else. Um, I just don't. I don't know. It's it's hard. To, I mean, I don't know. I want to say it's hard to explain, but it isn't. But I'm just, I'm more dumbfounded more than anything. yeah, yeah. Just, I, 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 I'm on. more just disgusted, Joe. I mean, like there's, <laughs> these are you know. Look, I joined. I'll tell you this. Like you know, the guys in the military would be lining up to get them out. I, and, I believe you know, it absolutely. I'd, I'm I'm an old man now, and I'd still throw it back on to to get an operation, you know, to get involved. And to, that's what we do, right? That's oh, what yeah. we join for to protect yeah. our own. And our government doesn't want to protect our own, and it, and that's yeah. to someone like me is infuriating. And um, that's you know, you you reminded me of a story. I'm glad you said that. I was, I don't know if it was an Israeli official or one of the uh, soldiers is telling me that on October seventh. There were people in the reserves. Yes. I love uh, these stories. Israeli yeah. in the reserves that were like 60 years old, 70 years old. They were gearing up, heading to yeah. the south. All right. Uh, and uh, so, and, and some of them actually uh, were, did help. I'm not talking about fighting, but uh, some of them uh, did still put their, their skills that they learned to use. It, it could have been translating from Arabic to, uh, to Hebrew or vice versa things like that uh so everybody was involved uh when the, after this uh, after october 7th so um I th that reminds i'm glad you you brought that up because yeah so it's you know it really like it um rallied the troops basically and i would totally expect that here in the united states as well for, yeah, for americans but um i don't know i don't see enough of it like you're saying right uh, especially from uh, the administration which is really unbelievable so uh, they're so concerned about escalation and, yeah. <laughs> and, and serving as an intermediary how do you serve as an intermediary when one side is holding hostages your, right. your citizens hostages it's i you know let someone else be an inter intermediate here let the british do it let the let the french just someone else because you know until our hostages are freed we should not be a party to try to <laughs> i can't believe that we're trying to 
Uh, anyway, I'm going to stop there because <laughs> I, I don't even have words for my thoughts. Uh, let, Joe, let's turn to to Hezbollah in the north. Um, yeah, we've yeah. had a, there was a major attack on a base, and I actually heard from a friend in Israel too. Of his, he has um, a son and a daughter in the IDF, and his daughter said uh, rockets were landing 100 feet away from her um, while on this base. Miran, is that correct? Did I get that right? Up in the north, you meant on? Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. So um, this was apparently a major attack. I believe they the Hezbollah used Iranian drones. Um, Hezbollah released an, an infographic saying they something like 690 attacks since the war began. Um, is that right? Did, did I get that? Uh, right? I mean, it that sounds about. Yeah, I, so which, I, I, haven't, I haven't like crunched the numbers because I'd have to. But that sounds like what, like five, six attacks a day. Oh yeah, that's that's about right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. this was one of these attacks, just one attack prior to this war would have would have been a fierce Israeli response. And I, yes. these, as we know, the Israelis are trying to get a grip on Gaza before turning attention to the north. But I have a feeling, you know, with the killing of Arori, the, um, the deputy uh, Politburo leader of, of Hamas with the killing of a Hezbollah, uh, a, a member of the Rodwan force was killed by the Israelis. That was this week, right? Rodwan force is basically um, Hezbollah's elite units that are designed to cross the border into Israel, to attack Israel and and actually penetrate that border. That's something we'll be talking about more in the future. Um, at some point, the Israelis, as you said, hundreds, of, well over 100,000 Israelis, the, the North has been abandoned. The, the Israel has shrunk. The Israelis can't accept this for much right. longer. And um, that's, that's this. I mean, I know you mentioned that, but expand upon that, Joe. Yeah. So Tell us what, <clears throat> what we think is coming. So there's a lot, you know, to unpack here of what you said. So, um, yeah, where to begin? So, yeah, with especially with, okay, so Al-Aruri, for example. So he was a Hamas guy. Uh, you know, you can, he's, he's way up there, okay? Way up there. Maybe two, three, four around there, okay? As far as uh, the leadership. He's status. the biggest kill they've had since, yeah, oh, you know, yeah. oh. since this began, for sure. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, they've been after that dude for a long time. He's been a real thorn. The side of the Israelis, he was really he. You would you could call him like an interlocutor between Hamas and Iran and, and Hezbollah, right? So, and then he also was in charge of the West Bank file, essentially. Uh, so, any you know attacks in the West Bank, he he was in charge of, and, and he's. But that goes back for many years, and I could spend a lot a lot of time on that. But yeah, he was a big guy, uh, a, a top leader rather. And it's funny that my first night in Israel. So I'm sitting there uh, with some, I'm having dinner with some people, and one of these people is this Israeli, a former Israeli official, sitting right beside me, and he and he leans over to me, and he's like, you know, this thick Israeli accent, he's like, you know, they just killed all uh, the reports say they killed all uh, they killed Alaruri, and I couldn't believe him, like you're kidding me, and um, so I get on my phone, start looking, like, oh yeah, no, wow, it really did happen, so. And I'm like, oh no, there's gonna be like, and I was in Tel Aviv at the time. I was like, oh, there's gonna be rockets here for sure, for Certainly, sure. Right. Uh, and um, I think you texted me really quickly after yeah. that, that thing too. <laughs> yeah. I remember we jumped on that, right? We we quickly wrote that up, and we, we, we were did. waiting for one of these. Yeah, so. uh, yeah, I, oh yeah. And then of course I start thinking long word journal, right? <laughs> you gotta get Wait to this up. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't. Uh, but yeah, you were there to. Um, you're there to save, save the day, but um, but anyway, yeah. So uh, I was I was totally expecting rockets, uh, but interestingly, uh, because also let me add that 
you know, Al-Hudi was killed in, in Beirut, right? And uh, that was a big deal, too. So I wasn't sure if it was going to be Hezbollah attacking or Hamas. But interestingly, as of now, um, Hamas hasn't, been a, hasn't claimed any attacks against Israel in response to the killing of, of Al-Hudi. So that's interesting. So I can tell you one thing. I can tell you that the Israelis have uh, dismantled so much of their rocket infrastructure that they really can't mount anything significant. Previ- like like they would have previous to October 7th. If this was pre October 7th, there would have been a massive response for this. Massive. Uh, but they didn't. Uh, nothing nothing essentially has happened. But Hezbollah, maybe Hezbollah has said that they've re- at least uh, initially has already responded to the killing of al So maybe Hezbollah is doing it for Hamas because Hamas can't really do much, right? Just because of what's going on in Gaza. So, um, so yeah, that's 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 the the, the one part about Hama, about uh, the north. But something else too is is I found very interesting. At least this this is the picture that I'm getting is that Israel is getting a good is getting an understanding and intelligence as far as intelligence is concerned about the locations of uh, important or yeah, I would say important has members of Hezbollah, especially the members of the the Radwan unit, right? They already targeted uh, the commander of a Radwan unit, who was uh, he was really up there. He was close to guys like Soleimani and Nasrallah. So this was uh, this was this guy wasn't just some some random dude. So uh, and then yesterday or the day before, um, Israel was uh, targeted the drone commander or a, a commander of, 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 a, of a drone unit uh, in southern uh, in southern Lebanon. So uh, which was important, not as it wasn't a huge kill, but still, interestingly, though, Hezbollah did um, publish a statement saying that the guy that was killed wasn't some type of drone commander or uh, something to that effect, which is they usually don't do that. So I found that interesting. Uh, but anyway, so Israel, to me, Israel is, I won't say beating Hezbollah, okay, but they have, they're making Hezbollah pay for 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 uh for Hezbollah being for choose for Hezbollah choosing to be in this war, okay? Because they choose to be in this war. That's the important thing. They're they they're the ones that started firing uh right after October 7th and then started up again after the ceasefire in I think it was like early December, right? Um when the ceasefire was over in early December. So they're the so Israel's making them pay dearly for this. There's more than 150 Hezbollah members killed already um at the border. So Israel has a good, I think, a good grip on the situation right now within the north. However, however, uh, you know, that can expand, right? Uh, there's a lot of talk about Israel not wanting Hezbollah to be uh, at the border anymore, that they need to move north, right? Whether it's three kilometers or six kilometers, north of Latani, south of Latani, I don't know. I mean, but they'll figure something out there. But Definitely going back to October 7th, that ain't happening, okay? And that's something I got as well from being there. Not just reading the news, just to talk, just by talking to people. Uh, that that, that uh, the situation on, on the northern border, October 7th, they're not going back to it. So hopefully it could be resolved diplomatically. But I think Israel is definitely willing to use force for that to happen. Um, so again, the north still is quite active, still active right now. A lot of shooting. Um, so yeah, that's where we're at. You know, it's interesting. You you brought up the 
you know, they're going toe to toe with Hezbollah. It's not an all out conflict, which we do expect to happen at some point. But, you know, it, it's striking when looking at the militia attacks on U.S. bases in Iraq and in Syria, where, you know, we look at our ability to or our willingness to strike back only seven strikes versus 115 against our forces, whereas the Israelis, when Hezbollah launches, the Israelis strike back. And they're actually, as you said, making them pay. They're making... It's not stopping Hezbollah from attacking, but it certainly may be stopping Hezbollah from escalating. Um, because I think once this does kick up, kick off in the north, I think this is going to be intense. And the Israelis, by evacuating the north, I think have you know they've taken something off the table. The the ability for them, sure, communities may be hit, but civilian casualties will be very low. I expect that. I do expect that to, that to be a very intense campaign. Israelis are going to have to at some point in time um start this it can't they can't do this do what they're doing now indefinitely because the civilians right. are being displaced for quite some time and the call up of reserves that are needed to mm -hmm. ensure the defense of northern israel so mm -hmm. um i don't know i don't know what that time frame is for for right. um the 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 real kickoff with hezbollah if it even happens actually then that's that also certainly is a possibility maybe maybe hezbollah decides to wind this down but I'm not sure the Israelis can afford to just let this back off and, um, you know, go back to status quo, given the number of attacks, the intensity of attacks that Hezbollah has conducted. Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, uh, I'm not going to say everything is fine and dandy on the Israeli side on the north. There's like, I mean, the communities are um, a lot of them have been hit. Um, and thankfully, their civilians have been um, evacuated. Uh, it's, it's a mixed bag where Hezbollah attacks a lot of, you know, IDF positions. But they also attack, uh, you know, uh, civilian communities too. So uh, there's damage that has been done, and of course, we know um, with all the uh, citizens being evacuated. But overall, right now, I think what the Israelis are doing, I, I have a good feeling, the Israelis are um, destroying a lot of important infrastructure of Hezbollah. Okay, uh, in. Uh, in southern Lebanon, I won't go into detail about that, but I, I think that they 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 are they're taking the opportunity to do that now, uh, which is uh, you know obviously a good thing, um, and they're making Nasrallah um, think twice about this decision. Is it worth it? Has it been worth it losing these important commanders? I mean, listen, you can you can replace rockets, uh, you can replace you know. Uh, foot soldiers right but can you replace a guy with you know decades uh or many years of experience of real battlefield experience especially those that served in syria right um yeah of course they're bad guys or they're, they're but it's difficult to replace you know experience right so um and israel is going after those those guys specifically so um i don't i don't see that this is whatever nasala's strategy is right now it's to affect and to an extent, rather, Iran strategy, because obviously Hezbollah is an Iranian proxy, um, I, I think it's failing, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, it's tying up, I think it's tying up the Israeli military uh, a bit, because, you know, they're, 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 the Israelis, the, the military has to keep a bulk, a part of its forces concentrated in the north instead of using them in, in Gaza. So, but overall, I think that strategy is failing. I, there's not really a, you know, I don't see this... Uh, this one notable, notable 
attack by Hezbollah against Israelis right now uh, in the, all this war. Yeah, there have been some hits against, uh, I guess, the Northern Command and then some other sites, but I, I, I nothing too impressive, to be quite honest with you. So um, I really think Israel is, um, you know, it has uh, this leverage over Hezbollah right now because I think Hezbollah was primarily built created to defend itself, defend its own territory under an alleged uh, Israeli, uh, after an Israeli attack, let's say, right? Uh, but this is different. This It's going the other way now, right? Hezbollah is attacking Israel, Israeli territory. So, um, so yeah, I don't think it's going well for Hezbollah or nearly as well as they wanted to. So uh, that's just my take so far that I've, that I've, that I've seen. I'm in agreement, Joe. The, the, I think, Nasrallah, I think Hezbollah is kind of boxed in here. They, if they go all out, they risk losing. Because I don't think the Israelis are going to pull punches here. I don't think they're. They've clearly um, signaled that time is not an issue. That time issue that you and I worried about at the onset right, yeah. of this, yeah. it hasn't impacted the Israelis because, and that is because, as we discussed earlier, they're united. They so mm-hmm. the um, the. I don't think they're going to hold back if they go after, if they go after Hezbollah, like Nasrallah will be a target. Um, All of the key commanders will be a target. Key infrastructure will be, they're going to hit them everywhere. If the Israelis do decide to, to go for it. Um, And that I think Nasrallah and I think the Iranians recognize this. And I think this is why you haven't seen an escalation. I mean, we can argue, right. You know, five, six attacks a day is an escalation from before, but it's not an all out onslaught from Hezbollah like we saw in 2007, right? That, right. The, the war back then when there was just a full exchange. Uh, I think it could be the, so much worse. It could be so much worse right now. Absolutely. Uh, uh, so it's, it's most of it. It's limited to the border area. All right. So, uh, between, you know, Israel and Lebanon. So, which is a good thing, but you're, you're absolutely right, Bill. Absolutely. So, uh, Joe, any, um, other observations? Um, since- yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think I covered most of it, to be quite honest with you. I um again I go back to this and this is for you know our listeners, of course. And if you're some someone that's interested in this field, right? You want to be an analyst, uh, especially, you know, uh especially in this field. Um, you know, it's if you can if you have the opportunity to go somewhere uh of, of you know that that's of your interest, right? Whatever it may be, um, I think you should do it. Of course, you know, you have to take the, the normal safety precautions. Uh, but it's, you grow, you know, you learn a lot and then you grow as an analyst, right? Uh, so you can understand things a lot better and you, uh, when things happen uh, and you can almost, I don't know, kind of read between the lines uh, when certain events happen, right? So because you've experienced something similar, right? So, you know, uh, so because here because that's something else that I learned too, just talking to Israelis, that people here in the West, they don't understand. They don't, most people don't understand war because they've never experienced it, right? They don't have the experience of being shelled. They don't have the experience of, you know, of, I don't know, having to carry their phone around everywhere just to make sure the, the red alert doesn't go off the, uh, the, the, the alert app, uh, you know, just things like that. So I think, I think a lot of people just, especially here in the West, don't understand what's going on over there, right? Because they haven't, well, they haven't experienced it. You don't experience it. You don't, can't really truly understand. So um, I think that's one big thing that I learned as well, that 
you know, I think Israelis, people over there would want people to, over here at least, um, try to get better better feeling, better understanding of, of what everybody's going through over there and why they're in this war, why Israel's in this war. Um, because that's being lost over time. I mean, but it, it's definitely not the first time with this this type of this type of uh, conflict. I mean, we see it. I think uh, you know with uh, Russia, Ukraine, and then other conflicts, right? So, um, so yeah, it's just that people here don't don't get it because they've never experienced it, right? So, uh, but I'm you know I'm sure you understand, Bill. So. Yeah, they, no, they, you're right. And the people who do here that are here understand it primarily served in the military, served in sure. combat zones. Sure. The um they don't understand that Israel that Ukraine are in you know existential fights here yes, and there's they are. reasons that they have to do what they're doing. Um, if Hamas didn't want this war, they shouldn't have started it. If they didn't want to face destruction, and if they oh, don't yeah. want civilians to be killed, which are going to be killed in any conflict, then they they really shouldn't start it. Don't start wars you don't want to finish. Exactly, and that's what happened here. But uh, it's what's happening here, unfortunately. But Hamas knew what was going to happen. I mean, maybe not to this extent, but they knew there's going to be. And we've talked about it before. There's a an enormous reprisal or a response by Israel. It was going to be for sure. Uh, maybe Hamas bit off more than they can chew. I think with all the hostages that, that were taken and all the destruction that they did, that they uh, created. But um, so, yeah, so Hamas, they understood what was going to happen. So, yeah, I, I blame all of this on Hamas. Absolutely. And and their allies. So uh, we'll see how long this goes on. But, yeah, so that's that was my experience. It was great. I'm glad uh, I, I went, got to talk to people, felt like what it was, what, what things were going on on the ground. Uh, and got to witness some stuff that I definitely couldn't have done without being there, right? And gotten these uh, these important experience that uh, important experiences. So, yeah, it was overall uh, it, was, it was great, Bill. Yeah, John, I'm in a bizarre way. I'm glad you got to experience it. Um, yeah. It's sad that we you know have to do these things. It's it's in wartime, right. but you know, look, that's our job, right? And to right. understand these. And um, I don't think you really can truly appreciate you know what civilians, what soldiers go through in times of war unless you've actually been there you know television just doesn't get it get it quite across no joe great to have you on today thank you for sharing your perspectives and we're going to get back on target with our monday episodes now that you're back absolutely thank you everyone for joining us for today's episode of generation jihad just a reminder you can find us on youtube apple spotify and anywhere else you listen to podcasts make sure you subscribe and leave us a review thanks again we'll see you all again soon